Bernie Sanders uh, today, not officially Bernie Sanders saying it, but news came out that Bernie Sanders' previous campaign manager, Jeff Weaver, will not, will not return as Bernie Sanders' campaign manager in 2020. I'll read you the article quick. Senator Bernie Sanders will have a new campaign manager if he runs for president in 2020. Jeff Weaver, the longtime aide who led his 2016 bid, will not return to the role if Sanders enters the race, a source familiar with the planning process told CNN. Weaver confirmed in an interview that his position will be changing, most most likely to senior strategic advisor to Sanders, uh, who is being encouraged by supporters to enter the race soon. A decision is expected to come in weeks or months. The move also underscores an understanding both among Sanders' close aides and outside backers that the Vermont Independent will need a more robust infrastructure and diverse staff in order to reach or exceed the support he received during the 2016 contest. The source said the decision for Weaver to return in a different capacity was made well in advance of new reports about sexual harassment by staffers working on the 2016 campaign. Sanders, Weaver, and the Senator's Campaign Committee have all since expressed regret over the inappropriate behavior and pledged to provide stronger safeguards going forward. I am not going, quote, I am not going to sit here and tell you that we did everything right in terms of human resources, in terms of addressing the needs that I'm hearing from now, that women felt disrespected, that there was sexual harassment, which was not dealt with as effectively as possible. Sanders told CNN's Anderson Cooper, apologizing to any women who feel like she was not treated appropriately. I think it's kind of important to point this out, which CNN's piece does not. There was no accusation against Bernie Sanders. That's not to say any type of sexual harassment in his campaign is okay. But obviously it's different when you're talking about women in his campaign experience sexual harassment from uh, an advisor or a superior. Obviously it's not the candidate. So I think that's kind of important. Uh, And Bernie Sanders, I think, has come out and, and said the right things as far as this issue. So Um, Before I get to the second thing that I believe shows that Bernie is running, let me explain how this thing works. So Bernie Sanders, uh, right now, he's already decided he's running for president. He just publicly hasn't announced it. So that means Bernie Sanders and whoever he's choosing as his campaign manager are trying to get the best of the best that they want to join his campaign. You're talking about getting people right out of the gate to be the campaign manager in Iowa getting people to be the campaign manager in New Hampshire, getting people to be the campaign manager in South Carolina, getting people to be the campaign manager of several of the Super Tuesday uh, votes, getting people to be the director of uh, African-American outreach, of Latino outreach, uh, all those things, Uh, getting someone to run policy on um, climate change. So basically right now, because I do believe he's already decided to run, you're trying to set up your infrastructure and your organization. I could tell you, because I covered the campaign while I was at the Young Turks, I I happen to, uh, I've never had uh, a bad interaction with Jeff Weaver, but again, I didn't work in the campaign. I do know from many people who did work in the campaign um, that a lot of people didn't like uh, Jeff Weaver as the campaign manager. Uh, They didn't like the decisions he makes, he made. They didn't like his leadership style. They didn't like his communication. So I think it's not like CNN and other places just kind of found this out. This is somebody from Bernie Sanders' campaign and Bernie Sanders' office leaking to the press, Jeff Weaver will not be the campaign manager, and they're doing that because 
they want to be able to hire uh, the best progressive organizers and campaign officials. And a lot of those progressive organizers and campaign officials would not want to work for Bernie Sanders if that meant having to be under Jeff Weaver. And I want to make something clear. I'm not knocking Jeff Weaver. I really, I don't, I can only tell you what I was told by people who worked on his campaign when I was on the campaign trail. Um, I, I've never had a bad interaction with Jeff Weaver. I've spoken with him a couple times. I interviewed him, but you know, you never know what's behind the scenes in a campaign. I did not travel with Bernie Sanders campaign for the whole campaign. So I would not have the insight into what were the problems with Jeff Weaver. That, that I can't tell you. All I can tell you is what I was told. But to me, this is a not so subtle, not so subtle. This is a sign. This is a, you know, a, a, what do they call those? Uh, smoke coming out of uh, the Vatican. Weaver is not running the campaign. Come join us. Because I think Bernie Sanders was quite aware uh, after the campaign that there were problems with Jeff Weaver. But Jeff Weaver is like a son to Bernie Sanders. You might not know that. Jeff Weaver was Bernie Sanders' driver as his first job in Washington. I think he drove Bernie around when Bernie, I believe, actually, I think Jeff Weaver was his driver in Vermont uh, when Bernie was running for mayor or just became mayor. So they go back a long time. Bernie Sanders trusts Jeff Weaver. He's one of Bernie's closest confidants, closest advisors. He's basically family to Je uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, Jane Sanders. So I'm sure it's not an easy decision to essentially, I mean, what this is, is a demotion. I mean, you're not being made campaign manager again. You're being made a, a senior advisor, if you want to say that. But Bernie knows that to get the people that he wants, because you have a campaign manager, but it's critical. A campaign manager can't run every single state. He oversees everything. So obviously you have campaign managers in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and other states. So that's sign number one. And as a reminder, folks, we have 360 people watching and only 161 likes. So I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you dislike me. Like the live stream, because the more people that smash that like button, the more this audience is going to go up up and out, up, up and out. So we got 161 likes. Let's get up to 200. Let's get up to 250. Let's get up to 300 and watch that audience size go up as a result. So our orange blitch, fire tie, I'll like. I'm not firing tie. Ty's not going anywhere. Ty's a part of status quo. So I reject that comment. I love Ty. So, and wait till you see this documentary he's been working on. He is fantastic. Now, here is the second uh tea leave that I believe is a clear sign that Bernie Sanders is running for president. Here is an email that went out from our revolution. Bernie Sanders, uh, he is not, you know, technically Bernie Sanders is not involved with our revolution, but our revolution is basically Bernie Sanders organization. It was formed in the shadow of Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders isn't, you know, day to day involved, but he's obviously somewhat involved. Uh, so, this is the cat. This is the top of the R Revolution email that went out to uh, our Revolution people, and it says, "Run, Bernie, run, run, Bernie, run." And uh, the rest of the email. Uh, let me fit this to the screen. Hold on a second. This is why we need Ty doing all this, so everything's already ready. But hold on. Do 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 do. All right. 
Friends, I'll be blunt. We need a presidential candidate who cares about working class and poor people. There's just too much on the line. Bernie Sanders has galvanized millions around Medicare for All, tuition-free public college, 100% renewable energy, a $15 minimum wage, and other policies that would vastly improve our lives. He stands apart in his dedication to building a grassroots movement and a truly progressive agenda for all. Uh, let's show Bernie that we're ready. Sign our petition now. So they link to the petition uh, calling out for Bernie to run. Our revolution is the continuation of the bottom-up bottom up energy that fueled Bernie's 2016 campaign. Our 250,000 members, over 600 local groups, and millions of supporters are building grassroots power across the country. We've elected progressives up and down the ballot, Democrats democratized the Democratic Party and continued the fight for universal health care, free public college, and a host of other progressive issues. Now we need a U.S. president who shares our movement's desire for social and economic justice. Our message to Senator Sanders should be loud and clear. Run, Bernie, run! It's like, run, Forrest, run! Be part of convincing Bernie to run for the president. Sign and share this petition now. So another link to the petition. 2016 was just the beginning. It's time we take out the ballpoint pens, find the clipboards, and start talking to the people about the next president of the United States. Add your name to tell Bernie you'll be with him. Uh, in solidarity, Heather Goutney. She is the executive director of our revolution. So right under Nina Turner, who is the president. So folks, I don't really know what else you need. You got essentially Bernie Sanders' office or Bernie Sanders himself. People tied to Bernie Sanders leaking to the press, Jeff Weaver will not be the campaign manager again. Like I said, he's doing that because Jeff Weaver was not loved by people who worked on Bernie Sanders' campaign. Thank you, Maddie Perry, 999 in the super chat. LOL, technically she is correct. Trump is a motherfucker. Oop! You just made me get demonetized again, Matt. You know I can't resist curse words. Uh, there goes my monetization on YouTube. How many times did he use either the same words or worse, even in instigated violence at his rallies, and he's whining about it like a... <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, obviously, Bernie Sanders is sending out that message, and that's a big deal that he's decided not to have Jeff Weaver on, because Jeff Weaver is his comfort zone. Jeff Weaver's is... In politics, Jeff Weaver is who's been along with... Other than his wife, Jeff Weaver has been along the ride with Bernie more than anyone. Even before Bernie was nationally known, Jeff Weaver was there. So by him basically, no other way to say it, caving and not having Jeff Weaver run the campaign, that's a big decision for Bernie to make, and it means he's running. The second thing is our revolution would not be sending out emails, run, Bernie, run, if they already didn't know Bernie was running. So it's their way of galvanizing the troops, getting a little press attention on their, you know, draft Bernie, because right now it's it's basically draft Bernie time, even though from everything I've heard, he's already made the decision to run for president. So I think this is a big deal. I, I don't I, I Bernie's Bernie's response to President Trump's address to me, it doesn't really indicate much. I mean, Bernie did it. Bernie did his own online response to President Trump after President Trump's State of the Union uh, last year. So Bernie's done online responses before. I don't particularly think that gives it away that Bernie's running. I do think, um, you know, 
Nick Sanders' office essentially leaking that Jeff Weaver will not be the campaign manager, as well as um, the Our Revolution message is a big deal. I will also say uh, I am obviously a journalist, but I happen to have some thoughts politically. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have contacted a source in uh, I ha- a source that I have with Bernie. Uh, I haven't heard back yet. I don't know who he's decided as his campaign manager yet. Thank you, Denise Con- Columbia. Five bucks. You'll get better at censoring yourself with practice or we'll overthrow the establishment and it won't matter anymore. Let's do the latter, Denise. I don't want to censor myself. Fuck, 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 fuck. How about that? This is a motherfucking oligarchy and I'm here to take it down along with you. So that's what I have to say. 405 people watching, 237 likes. Can I get more likes? As I keep telling you, the more people that like, do you see the audience going up? It's I'm not asking you to like me for my for my ego. I'm asking you to like me so we can get this to more people. We that's how you work around YouTube suppression. The more people that smash that like button, the more the audience goes up. So I hope you uh, help me out with that. So, so my thoughts is Bernie Sanders as incredible, uh, incredible as Bernie Sanders is. Um, in terms of policy and authenticity, those who know Bernie Sanders, eh, he could be a little stubborn and, and set in his ways. And I think Jeff Weaver, as the campaign manager, although he did some things, some things, uh, well, I think Jeff Weaver was kind of a reinforcement as far as Bernie's ways. So Bernie Sanders, to me, one of the biggest um, issues with his 2016 camp campaign besides the whole entire corporate media and Washington, D.C. and state level establishment going after him. Jordan, do you support Ojeda and Sanders 2020? Uh, I got to look further into Richard Ojeda because as far as I know, he is not against fracking. And for me, that's a non-starter. If you are not for a ban on fracking, I am not for you. that's, That's all I could say. I understand he's from West Virginia. But I do not support any politician that is not against fracking. And frankly, to me, Elizabeth Warren, uh, as far as I know, she has not come out uh, totally against fracking. So that's what I think. But I have reached out to somebody uh, who works for Richard Ojeda um, to see if I can get an interview with him. So I am reaching out to get an interview with him. And by the way, uh, for those of you uh, who are interested this coming Sunday, it's... uh, Hopefully it works out, but I uh, am tentatively scheduled to have Paula Jean Swearingen on. Remember Paula Jean Swearingen? She ran against Joe Manchin uh, in the West Virginia primary. She was a Justice Democrat. We are going to have her back because there is more, more from Joe Manchin recently that requires response, really requires a response. So look forward to having Paula. We should be doing the interview tomorrow and then we'll have it Sunday. And I'm trying to get other people. I've reached out today to Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader. I've reached out to the NBC journalist that quit to try and get him on, basically saying he quit because NBC is a bunch of warmongering lunatics. Uh, Well, not lunatics, just propagandists. I've reached out to uh, Abby Martin. I've reached out to... I've reached out to a lot of people. Oh, uh, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, Congressman Ro Khanna. So reaching out to a whole lot of people. So... The other thing is, Bernie Sanders needs someone as his campaign manager who is going to push him to change certain things and somebody who's not going to cave when Bernie Sanders says, I'm not doing it that way. Bernie Sanders has great instincts in some areas, but in other areas, he does not have the right instincts. 
and I would argue, I'm not a political strategist, but this is what I saw on the campaign trail, and this is what I think. I think Bernie Sanders too often confuses running a positive campaign and trying to win on his message with uh, basically going to a knife fight holding a spoon. You can run a positive campaign while still rolling up your sleeves and getting down in the mud when is necessary. If you just say, gee golly, Jim, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to mention A, A, B, and C because it technically would come off negative, then you're letting the Cory Bookers of the world get away with political murder. You're going to be letting the Kamala Harris's of the world get away with political murder. You're going to be letting the Cory Bookers of the world get away with political murder. MacArthur, Louis Jordan, why don't you work for Bernie Sanders? No desire to ever work in politics. I'm a journalist, good, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, so Bernie Sanders is going to have to understand, you know, you're in, in 2016, you were running against the Clinton, the Clinton cartel, as I like to call it. This time, you're going to be running about against the entire Democratic establishment cartel with their hand-picked little puppets, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, possibly Beto O'Rourke. Um, uh, who else? Cory Booker, uh, Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, possibly Joe Biden, possibly Kirsten Gillibrand, possibly Terry McAuliffe. I mean, you're going to be essentially fighting all of these people and their propagandists and their special interest contacts. So you're going to have to get negative sometimes. And Bernie Sanders is going to have to listen to his campaign manager. I'll give you one example. Uh, during the 2016 Brooklyn debate between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, uh, Hillary, uh, Bernie Sanders was asked by anchor uh, Chris Cuomo, I believe, uh, can you name one vote that Hillary Clinton uh, voted on that clearly shows she made that, she voted for that based on a political donation. I mean, I could name 10 off the top of my head. Bernie Sanders basically chose to just go into his general talking points. He didn't, he wouldn't give a specific vote. His campaign, when that question was asked, I'll give you a little behind the scenes of the debates, campaigns have information ready to go to blast out to reporters. So a lot of times, if a, you know, a candidate will have a, a money soundbite ready to go, and once they say it during the debate, the campaign then blasts out to all the political reporters and everybody um, information that backs up what the candidate is saying and is usually negative about the other candidate. Well, when Bernie was asked that, his campaign blasted out the bankruptcy bill, which Hillary Clinton, as first lady in the, in the 1990s, was against. Uh, the bankruptcy bill really made it difficult and almost impossible for uh, families, mothers to uh, single mothers to file for Chapter Seven bankruptcy. It was a credit. The credit card industry loved it. Joe Biden uh, voted for the bankruptcy bill. Hillary Clinton was against it as first lady. Then she runs for senator in the year 2000. All of a sudden, she's getting money hand over fist, hand over fist money. She's getting from Wall Street. And all of a sudden, as a senator, she changes her mind on the bankruptcy bill. Bernie Sanders, his campaign at least, had prepared him with that. And his campaign blasted it out to all the, re all the reporters. But Bernie, in that moment, chose not to say it. I found out after the fact, he thought that would be going negative. Well, Bernie, you're facing the oligarchy. So you could sit there and we could be, you know, kumbaya and let's have a positive message and let's really hit them with the issues. 
or you could live in political reality because you're going to need to do both. You're going to have to have a positive forward-looking message, not just Trump is the Antichrist, but here is what has led to Trump. Here are the structural inequality issues, corruption issues, environmental genocide issues that has led to somebody like Donald Trump becoming president. But you could also, with that positive message, also, also have, be ready to fight. Because let me tell you something, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Kirsten Gillibrand, Joe Biden, uh, Beto O'Rourke, all these people, they're not going to be sitting there pulling punches. They're going to go down. They're going to play. Ugh, I'm at my parents' house. So apologize. Thank the you the phone's calling. ringing. Yeah. They're not going to be sitting there. Please try again later. They're not going to be sitting there, you know, saying, well, let's 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 be positive on the issues. They're going to be trying to put a knife, not in Sanders' back, in his in the front of Sanders. So that is what I think Bernie Sanders has to do. I think he needs a, a campaign manager, frankly, that is a little younger. I'm not trying to be ageist, but I think Bernie Sanders needs a campaign manager who is a little more up on digital. I think Bernie Sanders needs a campaign manager who could help him make inroads in the South, who could help him make inroads with African-Americans, which I've already showed you. Bernie Sanders, contrary to what the corporate media and the propaganda they like to spew, Bernie Sanders is doing pretty decent among African-Americans. That's a good, that's a Gallup poll from September. He's got a 64, well, excuse me, not just African-Americans, non-whites. So that's African-Americans, that's Latinos. He's got a 64% approval rating with non-whites. And a little secret from the 2016 campaign that the corporate media never wanted to talk about, Bernie Sanders won African-American millennials over Hillary Clinton. Bernie Sanders won uh, uh, Latino uh, millennials. So that 64% number is very, very important. Bernie Sanders cannot become Democratic nominee if he does not uh, get uh, at least 60%, uh, close to that number. Uh, actually, no, I, I think if he starts getting towards, you know, 50%, 55% non-whites, then you're really cooking. Secondly, a really important number that doesn't get a lot of play, Bernie Sanders, one of the, the kryptonite of his campaign was the South, and particularly uh, older African-Americans in the South, but also overall 55 and older. Now, obviously there's a lot of burners that are older. There's a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters that are older. However, there's also most of Hillary Clinton's supporters were older Americans. Well, Bernie's doing pretty decent. That 55 and older, 45% favorability rating is going in the right direction. Bernie Sanders is definitely going to have to pick off some of that traditionally establishment vote, but who might be, who might be a little more open to what Bernie's selling this time around. Uh, I don't have anyone in the super chat helping me, so let me go back and thank you. Maddie Perry, dollar 99 in the super chat. Uh, we also had Squirrel Lips, dollar 99 in the super chat. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So before, before I move on to the next topic, oh, oh by the way, this kind of goes in with the next topic. So before I move on to the next topic, I want to give you an update for, and by the way, we're almost at 500 viewers. We have 304 likes. I guarantee you, if we get that like, if we get those likes up to 400 likes, you'll see that audience go over 500 really quick. The more people who smash that like button, the more people that will see this live stream. For whatever reason, that's how YouTube does it. So their algorithm works. 
the more people that uh, like a live stream, the more people that see it who aren't now watching. So if you haven't liked the live stream, smash that like button. Even if you hate me, I love you. So I want to give you an update before I move on to eviscerating Whoopi Goldberg. So we are really, really pushing two things right now. We're pushing our GoFundMe campaign, which right now we're at 37,086. Actually, no, I haven't. Let me refresh to see if that's what we're still at. Okay, that's what we're still at. We're at $37,086, uh, 610 donors. Our goal for the end of this month is 45,000. So we got a little work to do there. I'll put the link right here in the live chat, but the link is also in the super chat. Uh, the link is also in the description. But we're also pushing uh, our monthly membership to status coup. And as part of that, we started a contest. Here's the statuscoup.com slash join. You could become a member as low as $5 a month. You could get a little bit more at $10 a month. We're uploading members content every, almost every day, if we can. Uh, right now, Jen is out, so it's been a little slower, but you get behind the scenes videos. You get extras from our documentary that we're not releasing. We're, we're releasing extra footage just for members. We're doing a monthly video call with members. A lot, a lot of cool stuff. More importantly, if we have monthly paid members, that's how we could have a sustainable company and grow and get back in the field and not have to do GoFundMe forever and ever and ever. So our 165 contest is active and, and roaring. Uh, if you don't know what that is, we set a number for the end of January of 165 members. Right now, we are at 104. So we're moving. Uh, we've, we've grown to 40 new members we've grown in just three weeks. So thank you to all those new members. And I'm reminding everybody of the contest. If you are not currently a member, if you are a patron, you don't have to do anything. You could stay a Patreon. Some people have switched from patron to membership. We do. We are focusing on membership because Patreon takes a larger percentage uh, out of our earnings. And frankly, I don't like that Patreon is deplatforming people right now. So no problem if you want to stay a patron, but if you're not a patron and you're considering supporting us monthly, Go to statuscoup.com slash join. How does it work? If you become a new member this month, I want you to email Jordan at protonmail.com. That's email Jordan at protonmail.com. I'll put it here in the live chat as well as the screen. Email Jordan at email Jordan at protonmail.com. Uh, email Jordan at protonmail.com your story idea. Where would you like to see Ty and I cover? Would you like to see us covering Flint more, other areas with water contamination, uh, a local issue where you live, whatever it is, send us your story idea after you become a new member. At the end of the month, if we hit 165 members, we are going to pick the best story idea from every idea that comes in, and we're going to hit the road and go to that story. If that story is where you live, we're definitely going to want to interview you uh, because obviously you know more about it than us. So that's, become a new member at statuscoup.com slash join and email jordan at protonmail.com your story idea. Now, we're not stopping at one. We're going to pick one story, one story to go in the field with, but we're also going to pick nine other stories and cover it on the channel. So if you don't win the in the field trip, we are going to uh, choose nine other stories that we really liked and cover it on the channel, probably during our Sunday Marathon Super Chats. Hold on, let me find that. Da, 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 da. We're probably going to cover it on our Sunday Super Duper Chat 
slash GoFundMe marathons. This Sunday, I'll be live at noon Eastern. Uh, last Sunday, we were live for seven hours. This Sunday, I will not be live for seven hours because I have a family obligation in the evening that I'm excited to tell you about after it's over. So, hope you'll consider becoming a new member to Status Quo. And by the way, for the contest, I'm grandfathering in existing members. So if you were already a, a Status Quo member before January, uh, you could also send your ideas and we will look at ideas from people that were members before and ideas from new members. So I hope you will consider. Now, onto the view. Onto the view. Thank you, Patrick. Just donated $24 in the GoFundMe. Let's see what your comment was. Do, do, do. You're a mighty man. Well, thank you, Patrick. So now we're at $37,110. Thank you for getting us started on GoFundMe today, Patrick. Now, I don't really watch The View often. Um, no offense to The View, just not my cup of tea. But I did see this clip yesterday, and I was kind of astounded. Um, generally, I, I like Whoopi Goldberg. I was a big fan of the sister act back in the day. I think she's a good actress. Um, again, I don't watch The View that much, so I don't really follow what she, she or any of them say. I can't stand Meghan McCain. She's a privileged brat and the, the daughter of, frankly, a warmongering person who died recently. So I don't really, why would I want to hear what Meghan McCain has to say about politics? She was born with a spoon in her mouth, a silver spoon in her mouth. And I don't really care what she has to say about politics. Um, I find Joy Behar pretty funny, but all of these women, uh, they have a right to say whatever they want. They're frankly living in a bubble in New York City, fairly wealthy. So why do I want to hear about politics from those people? Not my cup of tea. So Whoopi Goldberg apparently has a problem with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to, Play this, and then we'll talk about why she's so, so ridiculously wrong. For what? Warren. For the Democratic to be the, to be oh, the listen, nominee for let me, president. Let me just say this about Ocasio-Cortez. She just got in on Thursday. She was sworn in. Yes. And she's very opinionated, which we like. We like opinionated yes. women. But it is very, very difficult when people make accusations where you, you say, you know, the Democrats have have done nothing. The, the, the establishment of the Democrats have done nothing. And I just want to throw this out to you. Um, John Lewis oh, yeah. wasn't sitting still. Right. Um, Dianne Feinstein wasn't sitting still. Mm -hmm. There are a whole bunch of people in the Democratic Party who have been busting their asses to make sure that women get what they need, people get what they need, children get what they need. So and you just got in there, and I know you got lots of good ideas, but I would encourage you to sit still for a minute and learn the job. <laughs> and, you know, and just, you know, because there are people in that party who have been working their tails off. For and they know country. they know a lot, and they know a they're, lot, they're and allowed. you could and you could learn some stuff from that. <laughs> and I just feel like you know, 
you don't have to be uh, born into it. You don't have to know it when you step out. But before you start pooping on people and what they've done, you got to do something too. Well, she hasn't done that. Well, that's well said. Well, that's really well said. Oh God, I don't even know. I don't know where to start with that. It's so so wrong. And the problem is, you know, our media, whether it's the news media or whether it's entertainment media, they're all living in a bubble. They're all living in a bubble. Mr. Black, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, LaWanda Price, officially a new status Slayer member. Hey, we really appreciate it, LaWanda. Remember, email Jordan at ProtonMail.com, your story idea. If you are a new member, email Jordan at ProtonMail.com, your story idea. We're going to pick the best one. And Ty and I are going to hit the road on that idea. So where do we even start? First of all, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, criticism isn't that the Democratic Party has done nothing. It's that the Democratic Party has done a lot for Wall Street, for fossil fuel companies, for pharmaceutical companies, for real estate developers, for endless war. Her criticism, my criticism, your criticism isn't that they haven't done anything. It's they've done a lot of bad shit that isn't for us. So that's number one, Whoopi Goldberg. You don't understand what it is she ran on. And frankly, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez didn't particularly run that, like, I don't remember her foaming at the mouth of the Democratic Party. I remember her running on specific issues. Medicare for all, free public college, a Green New Deal, these kinds of things. So when you say Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying that the Democratic Party hasn't been doing anything, no. Whoopi, maybe you should actually be listening to what she's been saying. She's saying the Democratic Party's message doesn't match their record. What they're saying they're for, who they're saying they're for, in reality doesn't match the policies they are pushing and the money they are taking. So that's first off. Secondly, you can't really get more disingenuous, Whoopi Goldberg, than to make it seem like She's knocking civil civil rights hero John Lewis. Who who in the progressive movement's main gripe is with John Lewis? I can't think of any progressive I've ever heard say a word about John Lewis other than tipping their hat to his bravery during the civil rights marches and movements. So to pick John Lewis and and kind of insinuate that. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is like criticizing John Lewis and people like that. It's just ridiculous. That's not what she's talking about. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Uh, I salute John Lewis and putting his body on the line and the bravery uh, of him during the, the civil rights movement. I covered uh, two years ago the Selma, the Selma Bridge anniversary I know who John Lewis is. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez knows who John Lewis is. I don't really follow John Lewis's record. I'm sure he takes money from special interests. So two things could be true. John Lewis could take money from special interests while also being a civil rights hero. Uh, then you mentioned Diane Feinstein and how hard she's been working for working people. What planet are you living in? Diane Feinstein has been working 
for Raytheon and Boeing and Lockheed Martin and Northam Grunthrop. She's been working for Wall Street. Maybe when she entered politics, you know, during the dinosaur age, maybe she was a little more progressive then. Hell, Hillary Clinton in the early 90s was definitely more progressive than later on. But look at Diane Stein's Diane Stein, Diane Feinstein's record. She hasn't done anything for the working people of California. She is a warmongering establishment corporatist. So you're citing John Lewis, who Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez progressives aren't, our main issue is not with John Lewis. And then you're citing a, basically a servant for the military industrial complex. It's absurd. It's absurd. Then the last thing, the last thing on that, don't be an ageist. I don't think the point is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez needs to just be a little good girl and go in the back of the back of the Congress and, you know, learn the job. No, the, the problem is we need to force the people who have been there too long to either unlearn, to either unlearn the way they've learned the job, which if you actually look at it is dialing for dollars, the majority of their weeks sitting in an office dialing for dollars. You want her to learn how to do that? Whoopi Goldberg? No, no. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she don't need to learn the ways of Washington. I think she knows the ways of Washington. That's why she won, because she ran against that. That's why Bernie Sanders is so popular. He knows the ways of Washington. Now, you want to get into the weeds and, and she needs to learn, you know, uh, legislating and how to write a bill and all these things. Okay, maybe she doesn't know that right out of the gate. No one would expect her to. But she doesn't need to know, uh, you know, how to dial for dollars and which consultants to meet with in Washington and which, which big pharma executives not to cross and which Wall Street people to stay away from and which ones to meet with in the Hamptons. Like Kamala Harris met with Hillary Clinton's donors in the Hamptons in 2017, in the summer. I mean, I I don't have anything against Whoopi Goldberg. I like her as an actress, but God, are you speaking like an out-of-touch oligarch or plutocrat? And I honestly don't think Whoopi Goldberg, you know, for example, the people smearing David Sirota as attacking Beto O'Rourke, they mean it in a malicious way. They're intentionally... They're intentionally smearing him, deflecting, distorting. I don't actually think Whoopi Goldberg thinks she's saying anything wrong because she herself isn't politically astute. Frankly, she's not politically astute enough to actually go to opensecrets.org and see who these people are taking money from. She thinks Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, railing against the Democratic Party, she's privileged. That's a good way of saying it, George. And frankly... You know, money has no money has no color. There's a lot of black people who are wealthy that are just as out of touch as rich white people. I've met them. So, you know, uh, it, yes, there are certainly racial issues in this country. Make no mistake about it. That's why you see me reporting out there as much as they do in black communities on issues of police brutality or water contamination in Flint. 
Um, you know, me when I was at the Young Turks interviewing uh, people in St. Louis and them telling me it's like modern day Jim Crow in St. Louis. Clearly, there's racial issues. But obviously, if you got money for many years and you're living just fine, it don't matter if you're white. It don't matter if you're black. It don't matter if you're a marshmallow. You're not going to be connected with the working people of America. And I tweeted this the other day, but I said, hey, Whoopi, go ask the people in Detroit. Go ask the people in Baltimore. Go ask the people in St. Louis. Go ask the people in Flint. Go ask the people in Cleveland, Milwaukee, Ferguson, a lot of other places how much the Democratic Party has done for them. By the way, certainly we're not endorsing the Republican Party, who's just as corrupt, just as bad, just as bought off. But the point is, the Republican Party isn't exactly pretending to be the party of the worker bee. They don't pretend. They hoodwink, they hoodwink a lot of people into thinking, you know, they're just trying to leave more money in, in the pockets of working people. So they leave like a $10 tax cut for the workers and then a and then a 100,000 tax cut for the plutocrats. Unfortunately, you know, the, the, the people getting that $10 tax cut, see, you see the Republicans are for us. And if you're asking, I'm putting the GoFundMe link right in there. Somebody just asked for it. And let me put paid membership in one more time. Remember, remember, I, I'm not saying this just for shits and giggles. I'm saying it because it's true. We need to gain larger funding, both in GoFundMe, but more importantly, signing up new paid members if we're going to have the funds to cover a second Bernie Sanders presidential campaign. I can tell you, as far as I could see, there is no, other than the Young Turks and whatever you think about them, there is no independent media outlet that I know of that's going to be out covering Bernie Sanders' campaign in full. I don't think Democracy Now! will be out there uh, for most of it. I don't think The Intercept will be out there for most of it. Um, that leaves the Young Turks. And if you want to rely on the Young Turks to be your go-to campaign coverage, that's your prerogative. I'll leave it at that. I don't even expect them to be out there as much as I was for them in 2016. So it's you're not just funding status quo. You're funding independent real media to be out there to show the truth about the campaign, to counter the propaganda that is going to be, if you think the propaganda is thick now against Bernie Sanders, wait till he actually announces for president. Wait till he has rallies. So CNN ain't going to be covering and broad broadcasting those rallies. Neither, neither is MSNBC. The New York Times, they're not going, I could tell you because I covered these rallies. They're not going to be in the crowd interviewing Bernie Sanders supporters. They're not going to be exposing the real issues. They're not going to be actually exposing why Bernie Sanders supporters support him. And hint, hint, as you know, it's not for his charisma or his personality. He's the only one actually speaking to helping them. Invictus, you just said it. News blackout. So... Status quo, we're not just fundraising to only cover Bernie Sanders' campaign, but I could tell you, to cover a presidential campaign, even half of it, you're talking a lot of money. You're talking possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't think we're going to fundraise that short term, but we are, going, we are looking to fundraise as much as we can to be there for as long as we can. And I believe when we get out in the field and cover that Bernie Sanders' campaign— I believe I am going to do it and we are going to do it better than anyone else. I'm not saying that out of ego. I'm saying that because I've done it before and I want to give a voice 
to those who will not have their voice carried by corporate stooge outlets. Uh, will status quo be at Sundance Film Festival like Amy Goodman? I shall, no, I won't. We have to pick and choose where we go because we don't have the funding yet. Right now, we're trying to gain funding for in the field reporting. We're also trying to gain funding to hire another reporter. Status quo, like I've always said, is not just Jordan. We're trying to hire other reporters. So we're trying to get funding for travel budget and to have enough money to cover the campaign, water issues, police brutality, state and local corruption. We're trying to get funding because we need to up our advertising. YouTube and Facebook and all of them is suppressing our content. We have, we've been gaining, we just passed 25,000 subscribers in just 10 months. We would have been higher without the suppression. We need money to advertise, to get status quo out there. Because I can promise you folks, a large portion of the progressive media audience, including Kyle Kalinske's audience, including Jimmy Dore's audience, including Mike from the Humanist Report's audience, most people have no idea status quo exists. Do you want to know how I know that? Do you want to know how I know that? Because... When I go on Jimmy's show or when I have Jimmy on, we get a huge subscriber boost and I see comment after comment after comment after comment. We didn't even know this existed. We didn't even know you were back. That's how buried and kind of in a cave we've been here. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to fundraise because honestly, I don't think you could leave it. If you, if you, hey, uh, if you want to leave it to CNN and MSNBC to cover the campaign, I think you know the result. As a nice person, you do okay, Jordan. Well, thank you, David. Uh, and I'm, by the way, this isn't like me shitting on TYT. You're, if, if you like TYT, go for it. I mean, I'm not here to be the police on who you support. I'm just telling you, I, as far as I know, I don't see any outlet, including the Young Turks, being out there for the majority of the campaign trail. I'm not going to go any further than that, but I do not see any outlet out there TYT, Democracy Now!, The Intercept, that's about it, <laughs> having the funds to be out there for the bulk of the campaign. And I'm not just talking about Bernie's campaign, I'm talking about other campaigns too. So it's up to you folks. I think I've shown you uh, what I could do, uh, and Ty would be with me, of course, on the campaign trail, but we need your help. And that starts with paid membership. The other element, but I'm going to get to the next story, the other element that's important, we are trying to get larger funding. We are not trying to get larger funding from plutocrats. We are not trying to get larger funding from um, people who donate to corrupt politicians. We are not trying to get larger funding from corrupt uh, oligarchs. We're trying to get larger funding from, frankly, people that are focused and aligned with our vision, with our vision. Paul, we, are, we as progressives are wasting time paying attention to fake progressives taking in daily super chats of $1,000. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I think I've shown you I am a pretty true, authentic progressive. So is Ty. So is Jen. So the other element is to get larger funding. Let me tell you something. Those people that we're talking to right now, and trust me when I tell you, anybody that, in, that funds us will have zero, zero. Uh, control over our editorial or our, our, our voice, the stories we choose, that will be in any agreement we have. But one of the things that entices larger funding, if they know, oh, you already have a strong financial support of X amount of paid members bringing in Y amount per month. That's the reality of business. That's the reality of business. So uh, they definitely want to know 
How many paid members do you have? What are you making on YouTube? Those kinds of things. So that's what we're trying to do. I'm being transparent with you that in addition to raising the GoFundMe, we are definitely, definitely trying to push as far as we can paid memberships. So I'm glad we're already at 100, 103 paid members. Uh, we just launched paid membership in November, so it's growing. And I hope you'll consider. I mean, think about what you might spend $5 on a day. Think about what you might spend $10 on a week. Um, and think about, to me, I think the psychology of independent media is interesting. Um, you mean I can't give you 100000 to report on my cats? No, I'm not interested. Um, I think the psychology is starting to change where people see, oh, it's not just that like I want independent media. We need independent media if we're actually going to get the real issues out, if we're actually going to wake people up that aren't on our side yet. That's what independent media is here for, to wake more people up. So we don't want to just preach to our choir. We want to get people like my parents who watch Fox News and don't are, are politically misinformed but open to real information. You'd be surprised when I, when I show conservatives that I know, when I show centrist Democrats that I know, some of the stories that we cover, they're their mind is blown. Well, why isn't, why isn't CNN covering this? Wait, what? I thought Flint. I, I thought Flint was better now. Most people are not lacking compassion. Most people have no fucking idea what's going on. Thank you, Adrian, becoming a member now. Fantastic. So that's all I'll say about that. Really appreciate uh, all those who consider becoming a member. And hey, if you don't have the funds, if you don't have five bucks a month, if you don't have ten bucks a month, that's okay. Hey, share it. Tell people about status coup. You could do it. Um, Johnny Nice, honestly, I don't care if Blackwater funds you. I just want to, I want my fill of Jordan C. Johnny Nice, I do care if Blackwater funds me, so that's not going to happen. But you have my word. You have my word. I'm looking straight into the camera. You have my word, and you could record this. No matter what, no matter where we get funding, and I will tell you where that is. I'm going to be transparent. No matter what funding comes in, they will have zero say on our content, on who we hire, on pretty much anything. If they want to help us with funding, they're doing it because they believe in our message, they believe in our values, and they like the product. That's that's it. I would rather get out of journalism than ever have to kiss ass, than ever have to answer to anybody, he, she, or corporations. I'm not answering to anybody but you. Period. End of story. Uh, let's see. Matty Perry, 499, super chat. You definitely grow your audience when Bernie runs to start to runs. Yes, that's part of why we're trying to grow funding to get out there and cover Bernie's campaign. Because frankly, uh, yes, we want to grow the audience, but I want, I'm not here. I'm not here to elect Bernie Sanders. We're not here to elect Bernie Sanders. That's not our role as journalists. Our role is to give a voice to those without a voice. You know, quick story, and I'm not knocking Jank for this, but I'm just giving you the behind the scenes. When I joined, when I joined the Young Turks at the beginning of 2016, uh, you know, I had a lot of autonomy to cover the campaign like I wanted to. Uh, I had spoken to Jenk about what I thought would be a good idea. I thought it would be a great idea. Hey, you know, nobody really, nobody really interviews like actual people. You know, they only interview like campaign advisors or pollsters or, you know, or or politicians, or pundits, but nobody actually interviews real people. 
not just like at debates, but like just everywhere at rallies, at the debates, at the conventions, local stories. Like if I went to Iowa a week early before the caucus, if I went to New Hampshire a week early before the primary, if I went to South Carolina a week early before the primary and gasp, radical, spoke with actual people, voters, residents, activists, you name it. And I'm not going to lie, he was a little lukewarm <laughs> on that idea. He wanted more traditional, I would say, of interviewing Bernie's campaign uh, staffers, Hillary, Clint Hillary Clinton's advisors, uh, interviewing other journalists. I kind of gave him lip service to that, and then I didn't do it. I, I went and I interviewed people. I went to rallies. Eric, my cameraman, and I... We went to Bernie rallies, to Trump rallies. We got there two hours early. We jumped in the crowd, not jumped, and we interviewed people. And guess what? Guess what? It was wildly successful because nobody else does it. Are you going to take cash from uh, <laughs> that person like TYT? Uh, no. I'll leave it at that. And I'm not, I, I don't exist to bash TYT. I still have some friends over there. Uh, I don't watch them anymore, but this isn't about TYT. This is about status quo. So no, I'm not taking cash from plutocrats. I'm not taking cash from people whose the politicians they fund, I believe, are the very politicians destroying the middle class in this country. I believe are the very politicians allowing the planet to burn as they take their fossil fuel cash, allowing uh, health care to basically still be a dream for most people rather than a reality. I'm not taking cash from the people that are making sure that happens by, pay, by buying off the politicians. No. No. Status quo is doing it differently. You could call me naive if you want. I believe, I believe that the way that I will pay my bills, the way that I will have money to go on vacation once at a blue moon, the way we're going to hire other reporters is not by taking a shortcut of just taking anybody's money, even if it's people that are corrupt, even if it's people that are basically trying to buy us off, that are basically trying to, you know, get us to fall in line no, I'm not taking that money. I believe the way real money comes and we build this business is from the ground up authentically, authentically. So I'm not taking any money from any of those folks that you guys were just putting in there. No. Tara Throwles, $1.99, supporting Israel, loving Bernie isn't progressive. Uh, I, I think you should listen to what Bernie's been saying. He's not exactly, you know, a card carrying Israel is super duper awesome and Israel could do no wrong. I mean, as far as politicians, Bernie's probably the most outspoken uh, against Israel. Jennifer, Jordan, tired of your BS and the constant bad-mouthing? You did wrong, TYT. I stole money. No, I did not. That's just wrong. Uh, so, 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 my last story, my last story for today. And thank you for listening to my, my sales pitch. My last story, you know... You hear that Cory Booker, uh, Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, they're all, you know, now they're not taking any corporate PAC money. And all of a sudden, they've seen the progressive light. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, they are learning. They're, they're moving over to the, the, Bernie, uh, the Bernie side of things. <laughs> oh, God. Sometimes it's just too easy. Sometimes. Uh, it's just too easy. Yes, Johnny Nice. It's it's always interesting. There's still today, there's still today, people putting out debunked smears about me. 
like literally smears that have been debunked three or four times over. There's still people putting it out there. It's amazing, but I try to ignore it. So guess who's calling Wall Street? You'll be shocked. Wall Street executives are hearing from Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and other Democrats as they gouge interest in possible 2020 presidential campaigns. Shock, shock, shock. And Kamala Harris is now on cable news uh, promoting her new book, which I think is her soft launch for a presidential campaign. Wall Street executives have heard from several potential 2020 Democratic candidates for president, including Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. CNBC has learned. I did a story on Sunday how Kirsten Gillibrand, New York senator, is one of them. The latest developments come as the Democrats' campaign to unseat Donald Trump uh, begins a year before the first contest of the presidential primary season, with contenders attempting to line up backing from donors and fundraisers. The revelation of communications between Wall Street donors and possible Democratic candidates threatens to exacerbate tension between the liberal wing of the party, which is increasingly outspoken against the influence of corporate money in politics and moderates who are seen as more business friendly. That's that's a kind way of saying it. A CNBC report last week about Kirsten Gillibrand's outreach to Wall Street triggered outrage on the left. Billionaire and Blackstone chief operating officer Jonathan Gray, Robert Wolf, CEO and founder of economic advisory firm 32 Advisors, and Mark Galagli, a founder of private investment firm Centerbridge Partners, are just a few of the Democratic financiers who have spoken with 2020 hopefuls about a, rate, about a wide range of topics, including the upcoming campaign, according to people with direct knowledge of the matter. Wolf, a former advisor to President Barack Obama, including as a member of the president's economic advisory board, said he had been in touch with 2020 hopefuls but declined to name the individual lawmakers. Sadly, um, this is what CNBC was reporting. Apparently, Elizabeth Warren uh, took some meetings as well uh, in New York in recent months with, uh, believe, NASDAQ executives. Let's see. Quote, I am meeting with possible candidates often, but don't want to name names until he or she announces, he said. However, people familiar with the talk say Wolf's contact list has included Gillibrand, along with Booker and Harris. Wolf has a history of backing the three senators. He wrote a check to Gillibrand for 2700 in 2018 and donated to Harris's campaign in 2016. In 2014, he backed Booker's Senate campaign. So what's amazing about this, what's amazing about this, first of all, can I just say, I'm not, I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking Kamala Harris for any other reason than her policies, but Kamala Harris just became a senator in 2000. Uh, she started in 2017. Frankly, I think we all got hoodwinked by Barack Obama, but Barack Obama had just become a senator. He started in 2005. He was a senator in 2005 and 2006, and then he ran for president in 2007. So Kamala Harris has the right to do that, but has any, can anyone tell me what Kamala Harris has done as a senator to qualify her to run for president? I don't know. I'm not against somebody running for president who's not been in office for 20 years, I think it's fine to run for president if you, you know, have been in office for a short time. But two years? I, I don't understand why nobody's saying, well, what exactly have you done, Kamala Harris? Kamala Harris has been painted, has been painted as progressive. She was painted that way when she ran for Senate in California. 
She's been painted that way as a as a um, senator for two years. If you say anything about Kamala Harris, you're a racist and you're a sexist. So I don't care because I'm just going to focus on her policy and who she takes money with. If people want to call me a racist and a sexist, they can. I don't care if she's purple. I don't care what sex she is. It's about policy and it's about the money you're taking. Thank you. $10 in the super chat. Artificial morphos man. Hey, Jordan, followed you through Standing Rock. Do you think Warren's run is establishment ploy to undermine Bernie's chances at the primary equals repeat of 2016 and we could end up with Trump? I actually answered this same question on Sunday, but no, I do not. I think Warren is ambitious. I think she wanted to run in 2016, but she chose not to because to her, she would have been uh, dead on arrival because she would have been painted as like ruining Hillary's chances and ruining the chance for the first woman president. The narrative was it's Hillary's turn and it's Hillary's time. I think she wanted to run in 2016, but did it because didn't to bow down to Hillary, but also she thought Hillary, it was a slam dunk that Hillary was going to win. She calculated wrong, obviously. That's the true reason she didn't endorse Bernie, which obviously I've made what I think about that decision very, very clear. To me, it's one of the disqualifying things about Elizabeth Warren. Now, a lot of you don't like this, but I keep it real. I'm not going to just tell you what you want to hear. If it was Elizabeth Warren versus Donald Trump, it's, it's not even a question. You vote for Elizabeth Warren. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is not Hillary Clinton. It's not a lesser of two evils. And I don't think, you know, I don't think you could look at politics in a way that is very, very black and white. There is some gray. Elizabeth Warren, economically, economically would be night and day better than Donald Trump. Elizabeth Warren economically would be probably in terms of being a president, aside from Bernie, the most economically populist uh, president in terms of Wall Street that we've ever had. So you don't have to vote for her. I'm just telling you to me, there's no comparison between Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, I don't like her on her defense, the, you know, her foreign policy. She voted for that ridiculous budget. I don't know how you could say, oh, I'm for the middle class and taking it to the corporate state, but here's $715 billion to go have endless war, which is why we don't get it, a big reason why nobody, we don't get investment in our country because we're investing in Afghanistan and Syria and all these places. But would I vote for her over Donald Trump? 100%. But I don't tell people who to vote for. If you don't agree with that, that's fine. But back to Kamala Harris. So she's been, she's, she's been in office, Kamala Harris, since 2017. So she's been in office two years, okay? Kamala Harris is being painted as a progressive. Well, in two years, let's see how progressive Kamala Harris is. And I don't know why Open Secrets has her as 2015 to 2018. Uh, they, might be, they might be adding in her campaign donations when she ran for senator, but she assumed office at the beginning of 2017. In two years, or two and a half years, She's taken $2.2 million from financial attorneys. As I always tell you, when you look at that, um, when you look at that category at the top, lawyers and law firms, that's not lawyers for the ACLU folks. And here's the link. I'm putting it in the super chat if you want to read along with me. That ain't lawyers for the ACLU. Those are lawyers that re represent big finance and big banks. Those are lawyers that represent the financial industry. $2.2 million. In two years, women's issues, almost a billion dollars, not knocking women's issues, but part, uh, when you see women's issues, 
If you read closer, a lot of that is Emily's List and Planned Parenthood. As far as I know, Emily's List is against Medicare for All. So that's a problem. She has gotten $770,000 in two years from Wall Street. $575,000 from real estate. Big real estate developers who are basically the reason we have the gentrification we have. $453,000 from business services. Uh, This is a lot of money to get from those special interests in only two and a half years. When you're talking, you're getting $2.2 million from lawyers, financial lawyers that represent big banks and big, big financial companies and hedge funds. You're getting $770,000 from Wall Street and you want to talk about, you know, that's a lot of money in two years. And it makes sense because if you're not familiar with this story, guess who Kamala Harris met with in the Hamptons in the summer of 2017? She had just become senator. She had just become a senator that year. She met in the Hamptons here on Long Island, which some of the wealthiest folks in the, in the country have summer homes in the Hamptons. She met in the Hamptons in the summer of 2017 with Hillary Clinton's top campaign donors. So, I don't know, you know, obviously the corporate media lives in their own bubble of propaganda, and to them, that's progressive. To everybody else, that's disqualifying. That's disqualifying. You cannot, you cannot be meeting with Hillary Clinton's top donors in the Hamptons five minutes after you become a senator. You cannot, you cannot be taking almost a million dollars from Wall Street in two years, $2.2 million from hedge funds, financial lawyers in two years, and then go on talking about the middle class. And we need to take it, you know, for the working people. And we're going to take it to Trump. She is a younger, she is a younger Hillary Clinton. I don't, I have nothing against Kamala Harris personally. I think she, the people of California voted for her, and that's fine. But on policy, she she is not a progressive. And you're not going to hear that in the corporate media. And if she runs, which I think she's going to, you're going to hear the same things we always hear. Progressive platitudes about, you know, helping the middle class, you know, recapturing the middle class, taking it to Trump, doing doing things for the working people, climate change. Well, Kamala Harris, the people that flooded flooded money and and, and gifted you with money from the heavens, uh, they're not exactly down with that message. So that's Kamala Harris. And obviously, Cory Booker, I don't need to tell you, you already know. I mean, Cory Booker, Wall Street Cory. This is his career. This is, let's see, his career. Three million financial lawyers, almost three million, 2.7, eh, that round to two, 2.8, 2.8 million from Wall Street, 1.4 million from big real estate that's, that's gentrifying New York. I mean, it's not hard. Follow the money. And now these people who are taking the no corporate, corporate PAC money pledge, well, Beto O'Rourke took the no corporate PAC money pledge. And you want to know something? Then- 
He did fundraisers with fossil fuel lobbyists, as I reported during the Texas Senate uh, campaign. He was doing fundraisers with big fossil fuel lobbyists. He was taking money from fossil fuel executives, maybe not the corporate PACs, but he was taking money from fossil fuel executives. He voted in 2018 to deregulate Wall Street. You could you could have a no PAC pledge and not take corporate PAC money and still be kowtowing and bending the knee to Wall Street and fossil fuel companies and big pharma. So, sorry. And by the way, Trump is going to do the same thing to them if they were became the Democratic nominee. Trump is still going to pretend that he's somehow a populist. He's going to call Cory Booker a puppet. He's going to call Kamala Harris a puppet. He's going to call Kirsten Gillibrand a, cup, a puppet. Joe Biden a puppet. Because all of them are puppets. Thank you, $10 in a super chat, Artificial Morpheon. You think if the DNC cheats Bernie again in the primary, he'll run on a different party or the general. If he does, I think he will win, a.k.a. Lincoln. Your thoughts. I don't want to get too far ahead. Uh, first, I do think the DNC is going to try to cheat him. If you watched uh, Lee Camp and my interview, uh, Lee was on. We aired it Sunday. It's up on the channel now if you want to watch it back. Uh, Lee actually made a point. Do you think the Democrats will actually let him run as a Democrat? Because if you're familiar, uh, Bernie during uh, Tom, Tom Perez and the DNC during their reform actually created a rule that they can decide if a candidate can or cannot run as a Democrat. And if a candidate isn't in good standing as a Democrat, They'll, they will not be allowed to run. Who do you think they made that rule for? Who do you think they made that rule up? With who in mind? I don't know if the Democratic Party is that suicidal to do that. Because make no mistake about it, if the Democratic Party makes says to Bernie Sanders, you cannot run as a Democrat, they just sign the death sentence and they will not even compete in the presidential election. Because I don't know any any young person that would vote for the Democratic candidate if they if they restrict Bernie Sanders from running, even if that means another four years of Donald Trump. I don't know any young person that would do it. And frankly, I don't know a lot of older Bernie Sanders supporters that would vote for whoever the Democratic nominee is if they block Bernie Sanders. However, to me, that could be a blessing in disguise if it happens, because I think Bernie Sanders would run as an independent. And I think Bernie Sanders would win as an independent if he ran as an independent. I think Bernie Sanders would have won as an independent in 2016. The problem is not whether he would win or whether he is not. The problem is, would Bernard Sanders do it? Although Bernie Sanders is right on the, on, on the message and the politics and the policies, he also is a creature of Washington. He has been in Washington a very long time, and frankly... I think Bernie Sanders would be deathly afraid of being compared to Ralph Nader, who in reality, Ralph, Ralph Nader is not why George Bush got elected. Al Gore lost his home state of Tennessee, for example. If Al Gore would have won Tennessee, he's the president. If, and by the way, the Supreme Court is why George Bush is president, was president, not Ralph Nader, who, by the way, I reached out to Ralph Nader today to try to interview him for the channel. So it's all corporate propaganda. It, it, the Ralph Nader elected uh, Bush is basically the, the uh, two decades ago, that version of Russia elected Donald Trump. It's all Democratic establishment people not looking in the mirror. 
Jordan, hire some interns. I'd like to hire some interns, but right now uh, we're not bringing on people. We're just trying to fundraise. But in, down the road, we are going to hire interns, and we are definitely going to hire new reporters as we get funding. And you can help us do it. Remember, become a member, statuscoup.com slash join. You can become a member as low as $5 a month or $10 a month. But we want to hire interns. We want to hire reporters. We want to hire editors. We want to hire producers. We got a lot of people we want to hire. We also want to hire, some in some roles, um, we want to hire people that could help us um, with events, in-person events like town halls and, and things like that that we want to do. If you recall, when I was at the Young Turks, I did a town hall in Flint. So once we build up, we do want to hire people that can help us galvanize events so that we're in the field before we take a road trip to cover a story in the field. We want to be able to set up events in those areas too uh, with the local community to focus on the reporting that we're doing. Eho, you don't have funding for anything yet. No, we do not but we're doing this the grassroots, the grassroots way. We got the funding to bring on Ty, so that was a step in the right direction. Uh, we got the funding, the funding for Wirecast, which is the tech program we're trying to use. That's what Ty and I were troubleshooting. We got a little bit of funding to get out in the field uh, and cover, and you know, we went to Flint, we went to uh, Dallas, we went to Virginia, West Virginia, Chicago. That was from you. So we're trying to get larger funding, but it's a startup. It doesn't happen right away. And if you're not willing to take money from corrupt, corrupt people, it takes a while. So that's why we're coming to you, the viewer. Uh, we have, somebody asked about Nina Turner. I did reach out to Nina Turner. I reached out to Nina Turner today. It's funny that you asked. I reached out to her today. I haven't heard back yet to see if we could interview her. Uh, you should reach out to Uphill Media. Okay. I don't know who they are, but I'll write that down. Let me copy and paste it. But to close this loop, to close this loop, you're not going to hear from CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, that these are corporatists. You're not going to hear that they're taking meetings and begging Wall Street. They're calling Wall Street to see if Wall Street will fund their campaign over the other candidates. That's what they're doing. They're dialing for dollars and seeing if Wall Street will be their 2020 sugar daddies. That's, that's what they're doing. So I don't want to hear from Kamala Harris or Cory Booker. And by the way, I am not going to hesitate to cover them critically. And if people, if Neera Tandon and Third Way and David Brock and the corporate journalists want to call me or Jimmy or Kyle or Lee or Jamal or whoever, a racist or a sexist, I don't give a shit. Because it's all propaganda. It's all distraction and, def and deflection. I'm a big fan of Nina Turner. Not because she's black, but because she's right. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. What do you stand for? What do you stand for? Do you stand for the working people or do you stand for the bankers? Do you stand for the fossil fuel executives? Do you stand for Wall Street? Do you stand for big pharma, fossil fuel companies, real estate developers, Silicon Valley, Mark Zuckerberg? Who do you stand for? And if you're Nina Turner, I don't love you because you're black. I love you because you're righteous. And if you're Kamala Harris, I don't support you. I don't support you, not because you're black, not because you're a woman, but because you're bought off. And what bothers me the most is bought off people that pretend to be progressive. You know what? If you think Wall Street is a righteous, if you think Wall Street is a righteous, uh, you know, street, 
and they do a lot for the working people, then you make that argument, but don't pretend otherwise. Same thing for Cory Booker. Finally, very, very quickly, uh, I didn't want to do a lot on this because I thought it was ridiculous. I did watch... Uh, oh, you must be a TYT supporter. I, I don't... I, I always see comments about TYT. Folks, if you want to watch the Young Turks, that's fine. Nobody's telling you not to. I'm not bashing the Young Turks. If you want to watch the Young Turks, if you want to support the Young Turks, have at it. I don't tell people what to do. You could support whoever you want. You could watch whoever you want. You could uh, donate to whoever you want. You could become a member to whoever you want. I have my views, and that's, that's it. So, lastly, President Trump gave a, a little address last night basically regurgitating the same things he's been re regurgitating. Uh, it was a little softer than the, their rapists, their murderers. To, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't dial it up to like Trump 15. Uh, he dialed it up. It was more like a five or a six. Um, fact checkers went at him, said, you know, he said many things wrong. Uh, to me, to me, this was a kind of an appetizer to him calling a national emergency. I think he is going to declare uh, a national emergency. He's going to declare a national emergency uh, so that the government shutdown will end. He doesn't want the government shutdown to continue because he knows that will harm hurt him in 2020 if this continues. But if he, if he declares a national emergency, he could have to, his cake and eat it too. The shutdown ends, but he could also say, I didn't back down. Obviously, a national emergency, he could try to extract funds for his stupid little wall that isn't necessary. But in the end of the day, that wall that wall is not being built. I actually think Trump, I actually think Trump would prefer that the wall isn't built because that gives him a major, major campaign issue to say, the Democrats stopped us in 20, in, in my first term, help us finish building that wall. And who's going to pay for it? Switzerland or whoever he says is going to pay for it this time. I supported the wall in the beginning. I've never supported the wall. Stop spreading propaganda, eh oh. I never supported the wall. Never. I honestly, undocumented immigrants and illegal immigration is at a is at a low. It's a fake crisis. As I tweeted, the real the real uh, imminent emergency security threat in America is not brown people. It's not Mexicans. It's 18 to 24-year-olds shooting up schools, shooting up malls, shooting up concerts. So the minute, the minute that Donald Trump does a emergency address to the nation and declares a ban on AR-15s or calls on Congress to ban AR-15s, closes the gun show loophole, uh, pushes for universal background checks and declares the National Rifle Association a domestic terrorism organization, I'll listen to him on his little wall. But you know what? You got to be consistent. So, and I say this to my father, if you're so concerned about undocumented immigrants coming in and killing people, then why is it that the only thing you provide when children are being slaughtered in schools or adults are being slaughtered at concerts is thoughts and prayers? Why are we so worried about the sanctity of life when it's a brown person, but we're not worried about American lives, when it's a domestic white terrorist. I thought all lives matter. 
So Trump, I think, is going to declare a national emergency because his advisors and the polls are showing if he let if he continues this shutdown, even his supporters might flee because a lot of his some of his supporters work in government, too, folks. So if he keeps trucking along with this, I think he's going to have real problems. Secondly, uh, eventually, the Democrats are going to fold, too, because Democrats always fold. Eventually, everybody's going to get blamed, Trump and the Democrats. So I think Trump's going to declare a national emergency. I think he's going to try and send the, you know, the military or whomever down to the border. I think he's going to pump money because, remember, I did just interview Steve Grumbine on modern monetary theory. We have the money already, even for the wall. He doesn't need it from Congress. The government prints money. We, there should not be a wall. There should not be a wall, but he has he has the money for that wall. So I think he's going to declare a national emergency, sign the bill for the government shutdown to end. And he'll, he could say, I went down fighting. I, I see that is going to happen. Um, I also see, you know what? You, I don't think progressives are making a hard enough case on that. I don't see progressives are making a hard enough case on this. Progressives need to say, why are you so concerned about undocumented immigrants where the murder rate of undocumented immigrants killing American citizens is very, very low. Don't get me wrong. It's a problem when one undocumented immigrant kills one American. I'm not diminishing that. But in proportion, there are way more people, way more Americans that are dying from white domestic terrorists. So why is it, why is it that there is no concern on that part? And I think progressives need to make this case. That's what I think. So thank you for watching, folks. Remember, uh, we're really trying to push our paid membership. So consider checking it out. Go to statuscoup.com slash join. You could do it as low as five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month. You get a little bit more at 10 bucks a month. Uh, remember, we are also at the same time pushing our GoFundMe. We've raised $37,000, $37,110 in about to hit four months of the GoFundMe. So I can't thank you guys enough who have supported us. Uh, every amount counts, even five bucks counts in the GoFundMe. And I will be back tomorrow, five o'clock Eastern. Thank you for watching. And remember, most people are not lacking compassion in this country. Most people have no fucking idea what's going on. Peace out.